the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okie dokie. We have midterm election updates that we'll start with. Nancy Pelosi got caught saying the quiet part out loud on mainstream media national television, telling her congressional candidates across the country to just say what you have to, to quote, just win, baby. The woke left is turning on two major things. First, their beloved AOC, and second, religious Muslims. And then, of course, in the process, AOC made an arrogant fool of herself. Stacey Abrams said aborting babies will fix that old inflation problem we've got going on. And speaking of valuing human life or devaluing human life, we're going to talk about Canada killing its homeless people with assisted suicide and the U.S. abandoning actual homeless people, especially homeless veterans, while simultaneously creating a fancy-schmancy living situation with Xboxes and three meals a day for illegal immigrants. Nice. Let's get into it. All right, you guys, welcome back to the show. This is Morgan Zeggers. If you haven't, hit the subscribe button. Before we get into the first topic, I actually want to talk a little bit about Stacey Abrams' crazy comment about babies and inflation and uh, those dang babies costing so much. How dare they live and need things? Before we do that, got to remind you, you have all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today, and you've trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. So on top of this special exclusively for my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream bed sheets, marked down as low as $29.98, Mike's now changing the game with his three-piece towel set, and you guys can use code MORGAN for all of these products. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still providing that soft feel you look for in a towel. It's nice and cozy. I use them here in Texas. I love them. And same with the sheets. They're very cozy. I'm actually wearing the slippers right now, too. Code Morgan, guys. The set comes with one bath, one hand towel, one washcloth, typically for $49.99. But today, and for a limited time only, you can get the three-piece towel set for $19.98 with promo code MORGAN. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374. Use promo code MORGAN or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code MORGAN. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay, let's see what Stacy said. What could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do. All right. You heard it from these lovely politicians, you guys. Why are they so hellbent on causing economic problems with their terrible economic policy? They shut down the country for multiple years. Now the economy's in the tank and their solution is to empower women during an economic downturn by telling them to not procreate. Don't have children. We caused an economic problem. We're not going to acknowledge that we did it. Our solution is for you to not grow your family. You'll be better off for it. 
Who says that? Now, I like to look at things primally. I love to look at natural hormones. I love to look at uh, the differences, of course, between a man and a woman. It's a very controversial thing to do these days. But I love to look at the fact that there's something really creepy about how usually animals want to procreate, right? Usually animals are on the earth and they have to survive and eat and make babies and they continue the line. And then there's something primal about that. But then you have an entire political party, a political side in the United States, a Western civilization, telling their own people that they'd be better off if they didn't procreate. Something about that seems incredibly evil. I can't think of a better word because it's, it's almost anti-science. I, I can't come up with a reason. But at the end of the day, we know this. Their pro-abortion talking points started as merely safe, legal, rare when they were advocating for Roe v. Wade. It then turned into abortion on demand for mere convenience because some women, when they got pregnant after doing the baby-making act, because that's what happens when you do the baby-making process, a baby can be made, shocker, they decide that they actually don't want the baby and they could just choose to not have it anymore. That's not safe, legal, rare. That is abortion based on convenience and selfishness. It went from these two things to then now we have modern American politics where politicians like AOC have taken it far away from safe, legal, rare. In fact, AOC has cried on stage before telling the crowd that she's scared to bring children into the world because they will face climate apocalypse. You see headline after headline of experts, politicians, political communicators and leaders saying that we should be scared to procreate because of the scary political environment or environmental issues that our children could face in the future. So now they're telling their own people to be scared of having children. And now, just because of economic downturns caused by politicians, we're told that we would be better off as a society if we had more abortions because then the market issues that we're dealing with, like the diaper supply and demand issues, there is a lack of diapers. To make matters even worse, we are now hearing things like, oh, there's a baby formula shortage and the anti-abortion movement is making it worse. There's a diaper shortage and the anti-abortion movement is letting these babies live. And that's an issue. Why as a society do we not value human life more to say, you know what, we're not going to say that a solution would be to kill more babies. We're going to say, how can we solve the shortage of a product that babies need instead? There's something about what happens in a society when you begin to devalue human life. And we're seeing it play out here in America. And we'll talk about that a little more in the last topic of today's episode. I'll tell you what, though, there is a huge movement on the other side of the political aisle and even among independents to have strong families, to have big families. And for one political side to understand how this is generational, how they are attacking not only the family unit, the motherhood, fatherhood, but also our children in school, we are now more passionate than ever about having bigger families, about really instilling certain values in our children from a young age, and equipping our children with the education that the public school system is failing to do, and then protecting children from any indoctrination that they could experience in the public school system. Our generational fight against the radical left has never been stronger, and I am so excited for that because that's what we're focused on, and the left is what? 
crying on stage telling their own supporters to not procreate, that's not going to be good for them in the long run. All right, now let's get to the midterm updates. Nancy Pelosi really put her foot in her mouth with this one. Uh, Here she is explaining that she doesn't really care what her candidates across the country say because she's Speaker of the House. She's the leader of the legislature at the national level. She really doesn't care what her candidates say across the country, even if they attack her as the older establishment. They just need to win. And here she is. Which is members of your own caucus. Lisa Slotkin and Abigail Spanberger, they're they're in tough districts. I know they're in tough fights. But they're talking about generational change because all the leadership being over 80, you know, the president is, is, you know, also, if reelected, going to be in that category. So let's talk about what Lisa Slotkin said on Meet the Press. I want to play that for you. I have been very vocal, including with my own leadership in the House, that we need a new generation. We need new blood, period, across the Democratic Party, in the House, the Senate, and the White House. I, I, I think that the country has been saying that. So what do you say to your own caucus, to these young members? They're you know, obviously in tough fights, but they want to see the change. I say just win, baby. Just win. If that's what you have to say to win, fine. And we will not in any way do anything but totally supportive, mobilization-wise, message-wise, money-wise. Okay, so she just said the quiet part out loud, but that kind of shows the state of politics that we're in today, is that they think that they could just openly talk about this kind of stuff as our political leaders at a national level. They can just explain that their political strategy is to allow the people running in any district to say what they need to say to win as long as they come and perform as Nancy Pelosi lackeys as soon as they actually get to Washington, D.C. Now, as we enter the final stages of the midterm elections, the elections are going to be happening in a couple weeks, early November. I hope you guys have a plan to show up and vote in person. And if you aren't involved yet, a really great way is to make sure, especially in future elections, the next presidential election, really be involved, whether that's you becoming a precinct committee person or you becoming a poll watcher. I'm going to hopefully be a poll watcher in the presidential elections. I'm trying to make that happen. But this all goes back to the fact that elections are merely number games. And I could tell you what candidates I don't like and do like and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, this is a decision for you guys to make. And it's your responsibility. I'm a big believer in doing your own research, especially when it comes to candidates and knowing who is running, voting in every single election, not just the big, fun presidential election. That's really the only election most people vote in. But at the end of the day, what I really need people to understand beyond any specific details of candidates is that elections in America, when it comes to especially the legislatures, it's all a numbers game. You just want one party to win majority. We have a two-party system. The, the founders said to not do that, but here we are with it, and I digress on that one. But at the end of the day, whatever party wins majority in the midterms or in the general election for the president every four years, they will then control the entire legislative process, and they will be in charge of all the leadership positions. That's why Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House, because the Democrats won majority in the House and then in the Senate, because they have Kamala Harris stepping in as VP. She's president of the Senate. So now it's 51 to 50 when she steps in on those votes. 
Because they control these, the House and the Senate, they lead all of the committees. The committees are in charge of handling what legislation, what bills are allowed to be pushed through for votes, what people are brought in for committee hearings. They are the chair people, the, the leaders of all of the committees. And it really, really matters who is in charge. I am technically a Republican on my voting registration, but I don't identify as a Republican. That being said, I would prefer to have the Republicans lead in the House and the Senate and the White House than allow the Democrats to have the majority. So when you enter the elections, it's too late now to pick which candidate you like based on character. We've talked about this on the show before. The time to pick people based on character and their specific policy ideas and all that stuff, that was in the primary where you can vote for who you like best to represent your party in the general election against the Democrat. Now it's too late to fix that, and we're stuck with whoever's running in the general. So we're having some problems with that right now. Like some people don't like Dr. Us, some people don't like Herschel Walker, all this stuff. At the end of the day, these guys are who are up against the Democrats. Do we want the Democrats to control the Senate? Do we want the Democrats to control the House? Or do we want to kick Nancy Pelosi out of her leadership position and put Republicans in charge? Because then they can have hearings, they can create committees, they can control what legislation goes through, and they can end the nonsense that's been going through under Joe Biden once and for all. Right now, the Democrats control everything and they're able to just shove things through. But if we had control of the House and the Senate, it would really make a difference. Every election has consequences and they could be good or bad. Now, here's the thing. Some people don't want to show up because they know that we're going to be stuck with Biden no matter what. Again, I tell you, this is a numbers game. Biden's going to be in the White House no matter what for the next two years, unless something happens. But we would much rather have Democrats be kicked out of control of the Senate and the House because our founders intended for our, our separate branches to be able to check each other. So if we had a check on the Democratic power in D.C. right now, we would be able to check Biden and the corrupt executive branch agencies, the bureaucrats like Fauci, the FBI and the rest of those schmucks. OK, so that's why it would really matter if we win back the House and the Senate in the midterms. It's coming up. If you don't have a plan to vote yet, you got to do it. But again, it's all a numbers game. It's time to vote for the party that you want to have majority. OK, and unfortunately, we only have two options right now. All right. Now, before we move on to the next update with midterms, a.k.a. AOC's ridiculousness, uh, if you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, Second Amendment, and they are winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call that you make. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan. Patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Okay, you guys, now, this is a classic, classic tactic of the left. They eat their own. They've done this throughout history. You could be the sweetheart of the left today, but tomorrow you could be enemy number one because you aren't radical enough you aren't woke enough, you aren't anti-establishment enough, whatever it may be, they will go after you and eliminate you. The left eats 
the left. And they're doing it right now with their beloved sweetheart, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. AOC has been repeatedly approached at her public events in the district. And now I think she's cracking because we have video footage of them attacking her once again, shouting over her, basically making a big fuss at her town hall or whatever it is. And she's up at the front. They are chanting AOC's gotta go. And what does she do? She makes an arrogant fool of herself and exposes herself for being the young, childish, immature, social media influencer turned politician, bartender turned politician that she truly is. A woke political activist that was placed into her position by a bunch of radical organizations that have a ton of money and a ton of people behind them who need to prop up people like AOC to seize power. That's exactly what she is. Now she's exposing herself with her ridiculous behavior as she's turned on by her own people. Here she is dancing to the chant in the front of the room, and she is truly a sitting congresswoman. This is how she's behaving to dissatisfied citizens in her district. Okay, so you guys obviously can't see it. This is an audio podcast. P.S. Um, I actually post little clips, video clips of me sitting in my living room filming this now on social media. So if you go to Instagram or Facebook, you'll see them. But um, so AOC is sitting at the front of the auditorium as they are chanting this song and screaming at her. And she is sitting there bumping back and forth. Now, I can dance to that because I want AOC to go. So do they. But it's a little weird if you're a national level politician. Uh, behaving in such a way in front of your unhappy citizens that voted you into office. Uh, She's then like sipping her water and just chilling. But my first thought is how arrogant, how absolutely arrogant is AOC to sit there as a congresswoman for the United States of America, where she's supposed to be democratically elected into office by the people of her community when they are looking for a leader for solutions. How arrogant to sit there in the front of the auditorium and dance. That's exactly what you get when you have the youngest woman ever elected into office put there by a bunch of political movement operators on the side of the socialists that are trying to do a long-term power grab. They needed a superstar. They found AOC in their submission pool, and they made her into a politician. That's the story of AOC. And this is the downfall of AOC if she's going to keep acting like this. It's arrogant. It's rude. It's not fit for the office. Now, I know we have bad Republicans, too. I will tell them to their face that they don't deserve to be in that place either. I always think of what would George Washington or any of our founders think if they saw the behavior going on in America today, whether it's the drag queen story hours or the performances we just saw in Plano, Texas. I live down in um, Texas, and I'm I'm near the area where this happened. I cannot believe it. I want to go to the next one and sneak in. That was really cool what Sarah Gonzalez did. But basically, you had this drag performer using the P word, dancing around, lifting their, it's a grown man, wearing a skirt and underwear, women's underwear, lifting up their skirt in front of little kids sitting on the tables all around at the restaurant with their parents, singing 
my P word, good, my P word, blah, 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 my P word, blah, 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 do this to my P word in front of kids. So I, it's like a little hobby of mine to sit there and imagine George Washington stoically staring at whatever is taking place in front of him and just saying, what happened? Now, this is good information, a good little inspirational thing. If you guys want to do this, I always think, what would George Washington think of my actions right now? Would this make him and the founders proud or would they shake their heads and be highly disappointed in me for my behavior and my choices in what actions to take in life? So I always think of that. And then I especially think of it with like the squad and AOC and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and these disgusting politicians that have ruined our government and the FBI officials that go and happily just arrest pro-life peaceful protesters at their home in front of their kids. I think of Eddie Gallagher, what happened there in front of his kids. He was arrested in like this disgusting style in front of his children. And I just wonder, I always imagine our founders standing there staring at it going, what, what is this? And uh, it really puts a little spark under your butt. But this is a good reminder. How the heck did AOC even get into office if she's going to behave like a child? Well, you guys, there's a group called the Justice Democrats. Every election cycle, the Justice Democrats work to replace Nancy Pelosi-style Democrats with AOC-style Democrats. They do this in the primaries. So they look for deep blue districts that will never go Republican. AOC's district will always be Democrat. She will win. Whoever wins the primary as the Democrat will win that general election and become a congressperson. And so they target these kind of seats across the country and try to replace the Nancy Pelosi style establishment, corrupt, crony capitalist Democrats that work with the big corporations, all this nasty stuff they've been doing for years to get a ton of money. Nancy Pelosi's millionaire, 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 same with her husband. Uh, But it's just, you know, by random chance that he's so good at the stock market. Right, guys? They're trying to replace Nancy Pelosi types with AOC economic socialist types that want to do things like pass the Green New Deal. Because right now you can look at the Green New Deal and say, oh, it's a joke. No one's actually going to vote for it if they're in their right state of mind. But there are a lot of people out there that think that's a good idea. And they are trying to get as many of those people in Congress replacing the more common sense Democrats or not necessarily common sense, but they are just in general more focused on the core foundation that America was really built on. And then they happen to be Democrats because for the longest time we were able to be Republicans, be Democrats, stand on this foundation of economic independence via capitalism instead of something like socialism where the government controls the means of production and the basic principles that are in our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. And we were able to operate as two parties and and oppose each other in debate and argue it out and fight it out in the campaigns, in the midterms, in the presidential elections, and really work against each other when it came to campaigning, but then sit down and try and come up with solutions together. But now these new socialists that they're trying to, they're coming coming to power, trying to replace the, the classic Democrats, they aren't interested in continuing the American foundation. They want to demolish the American foundation. They don't believe in our constitution. They don't believe in economic independence for average schmucks like you and me. They want the government to control all of these things. And they certainly don't believe in the rights in our bill of rights, things as simple as freedom of speech and expression. So it's dangerous to know that the justice Democrats are working very hard to do it. They're quite successful. What happens when they join into office 
become Congress people, they join the squad, right? And it's basically this thing called the Progressive Caucus. The Progressive Caucus is the socialist caucus of the legislature. And those people are trying to put actual socialist legislation through in our country. So that's what you got to keep an eye on. That's really where a lot of the danger is in terms of potential radical legislation. And then you also, of course, have the the other factions. So you have the corrupt Bidens, you have the establishment crony capitalist Nancy Pelosi types, all of them. There's a bunch of different problems, but one of them is the fact that the Progressive Caucus is growing and it's all part of a major generational strategy by the Justice Democrats and a few others. Now, here's the thing. Here's a funny thing, and we'll move on. When the left is feeling like they're in a corner, when anybody on the left, they what do they do? They play the minority game. They play the race card. And that's exactly what AOC started to do. Okay, here's what she did after they start chanting that AOC's got to go. All right, all right, listen, all right, listen, listen, okay, listen. She just loves to whip out the accent when it could benefit her. Now, this reminded me of a classic video that everybody loves that I'll play for you guys. First, it's AOC speaking to a large black crowd, and then it's Hillary Clinton speaking to a large black crowd, and you'll... You'll listen to it and you'll be like, geez, Morgan, they sound a little different than they usually sound. Why is that? It's because they pander and play the race card. They love to tap into race politics and they'll do it so much. They'll lean into this so much that they will change their accent to sound like black people when speaking to black crowds. What's bad now is, you know, maybe they did this a lot before there was social media before everything was recorded in politics. But now we have cameras everywhere and social media exists and everything is documented. So it's very easy to tell when they do this kind of crap. This is what organizing looks like. This is what building power looks like. This is what changing the country looks like. It's when we choose to show up and occupy the room and talk about the things that matter most, talking about our future. You know, Reverend, you bring up a a funny anecdote, and I'm proud to be a bartender. (laughs) Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working retail, folding clothes for other people to buy. There is nothing wrong with preparing the food that your neighbors will eat. There is nothing wrong with driving the buses that take your family to work. Don't feel no ways tired. too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. All right. So not only did they turn on AOC, but the left is also turning on what? Muslims? (laughs) Now, uh, we have a situation of concerned parents across America of tons of random different backgrounds. All the different backgrounds are With common sense in their brains, looking at the indoctrination going on in the classroom, whether it's the divisive uh, race-based curriculum where they are changing history or in modern times just trying to let kids know that, hey, if you're a white person, you have been a part of perpetuating racism in our country, whether it's institutional or whether it's with your actions or it was your ancestors. They're teaching white kids from a very young age in a classroom to feel as others. And then they're teaching black kids to also feel as others in different ways. And it's very, very toxic. So you can see all this divisive race stuff going on. It's definitely not helping any race problems that we have. It's only 
creating deeper divides, but you're also seeing a lot of sexualized classroom content, whether it's in the books that are being recommended by teachers or it's teachers telling their children about their sex lives, which should be completely private, or it's teachers teaching children uh, how to use they, them pronouns or call their teacher not miss or misses, but mix, M-X, because the teacher is uh, gender fluid whatever it is. The other aspect of it, though, is now teaching children that they can change their sex, their gender identity, whatever you want to call it. I think that they are the absolute same. It's literally just character and personality, but the left insists that it has to do with your sex and your physical parts. It's completely okay to be a more feminine man. It's okay to be a more masculine woman. That doesn't mean you have to cut off your body parts, children. Uh, that's what we really should be saying. At the end of the day, though, the left is now bypassing parents and the school administration, the politicians and the teachers are all saying, kids, if your parents don't support this, after literally indoctrinating them, saying it's okay to change these things and encouraging young, malleable minds to think in this way that, oh, I could be born in the wrong body, which is child abuse in itself, to put that into a child's mind, they cannot mentally understand the seriousness of such a change. But they're now saying, if your parents don't support it, just tell us, the school, we will support you. We will call you whatever you want. We will change your pronouns, but, and we will not only do that, but we will save you from your parents. We will hide it from your parents and you can just come to us and we'll be like your parents, kids. <laughs> so obviously parents are step stepping up, standing together against the nonsense child abuse that this is. What's happening now is we're seeing the rise up in some communities that are heavily Muslim. They're standing up too, just like Christians, just like any other concerned parents are. And the left is shocked because, wait, aren't they minorities? Shouldn't they fit into the leftist narrative? Why are they going against the left? Oh, they must be tricked by the Christians. So there's this... um thread on Twitter that I found of some videos and some information about what's going on. It's from Samira, uh, S-A-M-E-E-R-A, Khan, K-H-A-N on Twitter. She says, leftists are trying to get Muslim parents fired from work for speaking out against sexually explicit school books. This is pure insanity. And here is a video. We have a bunch of parents speaking out both on the anti-indoctrination side and leftist woke people are speaking out against the parents that are speaking out themselves. And so it's, it's this weird dynamic, but this is a dad who is frustrated with the sexual information being shared to children in school. And this is what he says in a huge crowd to the school board. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. All. So I want to first start out by saying one thing. Any of the teachers that are here, our beef is not with you. Our beef is with you. So let me get that out of the way. Now, last month, I came to the board meeting for the first time in my life. And we read some of the material that was in these so-called books. The great sex app debate. There's actual reviews about Grindr saying how good it is. I have used Grindr. The advantages are you can get what you want quickly. This is from the book. I've met a variety of interesting people through sex apps. They're predominantly used for sex, though. They're sold to us as social networking apps, but we all know what they're really for. I don't have a problem with that aspect of it. If people want casual sex, then something like Grindr is a must. And we read that too last month. And you looked at us like we were some kind of crazy people 
speaking to you, like almost like we had nothing to uh, like, like we had nothing to say. Now, does anybody need a college education or a PhD to know that this book is not appropriate for kids? Why in God's name do we need to have some complicated process? This is strictly just common sense, guys. How did we get to this point? So, when I mentioned this last week, I thought what's going to happen is you guys would be like, okay, you know what, you parents, you have, you have a point. We'll work on making our processes more robust. These books absolutely do not belong in the library. But instead, what happened was the exact opposite. We were viciously attacked, social media and beyond social media. Even people like me, people trying to get me fired from work, and yet at the same time, they are attacking us while at the same time being the victim. And all along, all you guys are silent. What exactly are you doing? So let me say this. Let me say this. I have faith in the great people of Dearborn, okay? The vast majority of people in Dearborn agree with us. We are a compassionate people. We are a tolerant people. We are a faithful people. And at the same time, we are a courageous people. And we're not going to give up until this issue is finally resolved. And unfortunately, it's not going to get resolved until you guys are removed from the board. Okay, so that was one of them. But now we have a reaction from a radical woke leftist in the town who comes up after the guy and says, these Muslims are ungrateful for the country that they came to because they came from these icky places where they didn't have any freedom. And now they're here and they're destroying our freedom and removing our ability to educate kids. But he sounds like a psycho. He sounds ridiculous. Also, I will say we have Ilhan Omar, right? An actual person who came to the United States as a refugee, worked her way up to become a congresswoman of the United States because she has that much freedom, that much opportunity here. And now slanders America time and time again. When we say, hey, you sound a little ungrateful there. Um, you are not really oppressed if you are now a congresswoman. We gave you the opportunity to now be the voice of, what, 700,000 people in your district. And now you are able to bring positive change if you so wish, because you were given that position. You aren't exactly oppressed. We call her out for being ungrateful. We're called racist. But the left can say, oh, you Muslims, you religious people don't like us indoctrinating your children with sexual curriculum. Uh, you should just be thankful that we even built this place for you to be able to come here. Revolutionaries fought to secure our independence as a people. They wrote the Constitution to ensure the pursuit of liberty and freedom for their descendants, who then derided the Dagos, Wops, and Polacks that came a hundred years later in search of the same. And they struggled through squalor, formed the unions that would earn them a fair living, allowing them to seek prosperity outside the limits. And from the comfort of the suburbs, their children and grandchildren looked to Mexico, Puerto Rico, looked to the Middle East and said, no, we don't want you, go back. And still, you came, you persevered, you built wonderful, prosperous community. So now you find that which you disapprove of, that which you hate, and you choose to subvert that end of community. 
Now, now, you can claim this isn't about hate, and for a segment of you, maybe it is purely about the graphic nature of these books. And if it is, I can respect that. All right, so what we're seeing here, in general to me, looks like the complete abandonment of protecting children, protecting our most innocent, and protecting, most importantly, a child's innocence in this world. It's disgusting. There's a phrase that's been kind of going around social media of how we are we are removing a child's innocence at a very dangerous and inappropriate age, all to please and satisfy the desires of deranged adults, and it must stop. Now, the last topic I want to talk to you guys about has to do with what we discussed in the beginning. Uh, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor of Georgia, she went on national TV and she said that the economic issues we're facing today that have to do with inflation could be fixed and are only being worsened by the anti-abortion movement and that abortions and being able to get rid of your child if you can't afford it should be a conversation that we are having. Now, the disgusting part of this is that this entire economic mess was caused by leftist and liberal politicians that shut down the nation and continue to put out terrible policy that just makes this entire thing worse. So the fact that they're saying our solution for the people during a hard economic time is to kill your own babies because you can't afford them now is a, a new level of evil that I really wasn't expecting. Here's the thing, though. If we take this lack of respect for humans, for human life, and for human dignity to tell people that you can still, we will find a way to find, we will find solutions for things like a diaper shortage. You shouldn't have to feel like, geez, there's a diaper shortage and national level politicians are telling me it's better for me to abort the baby because they can't solve these economic issues. Geez, I guess I'll do that. Please do not listen to them. For the love of God, please do not listen to them. It makes me very, very sad that that's what our national level leaders are saying. How disgusting of them. But this devaluation of human life is going to have serious impacts. And it also, it, it, it coincides as well with this insane level of dissatisfaction with life, especially in young Americans. They are not excited to move forward in life. They are not excited about procreating and having their own children one day. They're barely excited to graduate from college because they aren't told that life after that is very exciting, that life is over once you're out of the fun stage. We are not equipping people to be very excited for any of the most beautiful moments in life. And it makes me very sad. But on top of that, it's all coinciding as well not just these issues of depression, not just these mental issues that we're dealing with young people especially, and the amount of frustration people have, the addiction to social media, to these fake realities, but also to the really serious issues we're dealing with on a day-to-day level on the street, okay? We have very bad homeless problems. We have very bad veteran homeless issues and suicide issues across the country, especially drug overdoses as well leading to deaths that are far more numerous than the deaths caused by things like COVID. Now, I'm bringing this up because I saw a terrible story about the normalization of assisted suicide and supporting the government supporting this. Okay, there's an article by the Post Millennial that says a 54-year-old Ontario man is applying for Canada's state-sponsored euthanasia program, which is assisted suicide, because he is about to lose his house and doesn't want to be homeless. 
So they have an entire program here, and Matt Walsh did something really great. He said, rather than improve the living conditions of its citizens, Canada is now simply killing off the homeless and the depressed. We are living in the dystopian future we were warned about, and it's even more grim than anyone predicted. I couldn't agree more, because at the same time as this story is going out, we're also seeing politicians say that because of the economic downturn, it's more strategic for you financially to abort your child. And this one really takes the cake. We have a homeless issue here in America, too. And instead of valuing human life more, we also are neglecting this very serious issue when it comes to supporting people as they become homeless and drug addicted. The politicians are doing nothing about the crisis at the border that's allowing fentanyl to come in, that's causing more and more overdoses, that's leading to more broken families, more people leaving their homes and hitting the streets, choosing to be homeless because it it's easier than the problems that they are facing because of the broken society that we live in. We have a massive homelessness problem. We have a massive veteran homelessness problem. And we have a border that's being flooded by illegal immigrants that are incentivized to come here because the politicians at the top not only refuse to close the border, not only refuse to act in terms of actual regulation and leadership at the border itself, but they are incentivizing them by saying, hey, if you come, we will give you X, Y, Z. And it's not that hard to imagine that humans are incentivized to seek that kind of stuff, an easier life especially if the national level politicians are incentivizing it with their own speech. They are incentivizing illegal action, illegal entry into the country. But here's the thing. We have enough homeless and enough problems in our country, right? This is what's crazy is you can be accused of being a Nazi if you say anything that has to do with protecting American citizens and the American people. We need to bring back nationalism to an extent. I'm a very big supporter of nationalism itself, not Nazism. That's national socialism, in case you guys didn't know that national socialism. So it's a radical leftist economic approach. There's nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong with having pride in your country and a desire for your taxpayer dollars to go into creating a better, a more improved society for you, your children, your family, your future generations, and the people around you. It's okay to care about your fellow man, your fellow citizens, before illegal immigrants. It's okay. That's the thing. You don't even have to bring the illegal immigrants thing into this. It's okay to care about your fellow man and to say, I love this country. I love the people in this country. And hey, you could even do it at the state level. I Say you live in Tennessee. I love Tennessee. I want to care about Tennessee more than other states. Go ahead and say that. I support that. There's nothing wrong with having pride in where you live, where you're from, where your future generations will be. Same thing at the national level. And then to take it a step further, it's totally also fine to say, I prefer supporting and handling our domestic problems before we shell out taxpayer dollars and government action and time and all their effort and energy into things that help people who aren't from here, who don't belong here because they broke laws to get here and they came in an illegal way. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't be ashamed to say so. But here's this video of what New York City is now doing to help not the homeless Americans, not the homeless veterans, but the illegal immigrants that are being sent there because the border's and the border states are being completely flooded and they're now being sent to other states that identify as sanctuary cities and states where illegal immigrants are safe and won't be kicked out of. These states 
that are having them sent there are saying that they're overwhelmed and they can't handle it. But for years, they said, we are going to identify as sanctuary cities and allow illegal immigrants to live here without the threat of being removed. This is what New York City is now doing with their taxpayer dollars. Adult man, you're going to come here to this facility starting tomorrow. When migrants first walk in after intake, they will see a recreational room set up with rows of couches, TVs, Xboxes, and board games. There will also be a phone bank so migrants can connect with family in order to find more permanent housing. We can do that in 24 hours, maybe even less. Many times, it's going to take longer than that. It could take days. Next, there is a cafeteria that will provide migrants with three meals a day, and snacks, coffee, and tea will be available 24-7. Those meals are all culturally appropriate. It is uh, South American fare. The menu rotates on a regular basis. If you're a single adult man, you're going to come here to this facility starting tomorrow. Three meals a day. You love to see it. I am happy that they are able to create a system. But to see that they are promoting it in such a way of look how luxurious this is. Look how quickly we were able to put this together. Look at these Xboxes that we have for these single men that will be staying here. I'm sorry. But it is a smack in the face to say that you can't handle the domestic issues of homelessness in your city. But you were able to so quickly create an entire community for these illegal immigrants to live in. We need to have better priorities as a nation. And here's the thing. Two things can be true at the same time. You can value human life and the dignity of being a human being at the same time as also demanding better treatment for your own citizens. It's totally okay to say, you know what? I am glad that you're respecting the dignity of these immigrants and giving them shelter and food. But first of all, you can also be okay with them facing the consequences of illegally coming to a country. But you can also say, you know what? I don't like that that's happening to people who came here illegally and we still have our veterans and our citizens stuck on the street and addicted to drugs because the border is open. Two things can be true at the same time. Don't let them play the moral game with you here. Now, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope that that was helpful and informative. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.